Well, this morning, I'm going to be answering the question. One of the questions that came in was this. How do we live in the world and not be of the world? How many of us think of that? Is that, you know, sometimes in life we, we come to church and, and that's where we leave church. That's where we leave our spirituality. That, that's where we leave our religion. And you know that there are many in this world that believe that there is actually no room for God in culture. There are many you know, that believe that, you know, God and religion should just be in your own home and it should never actually enter into any sphere of influence. Friend, I'm here to tell you right now is that we are called to be in the world, not of the world. And what that means is we're called to engage culture, no matter where we're at. We are called to engage culture. And I don't mean by taking our Bible and bashing people with it. I mean engaging it in a way where we can discuss our beliefs, where we can set forward some agenda and come to a place where we can influence our world for good and for God. And what I've found, and I've been thinking about this, why is the world and the state of the world in the way in which it is? And I believe this is because there are many Christians that have stopped engaging in their world. They've stopped actually being in the world. You know, they're not even of the world. They're not even in the world. They're in their own homes, building their own kingdoms, and forgetting about the outside world. They go to work and no one actually even knows they're a Christian. They come home and their neighbours don't even know what they believe or where they go on a Sunday. You know, it's like we've pulled away and yeah, yeah, I'm not of the world. I praise Jesus, but I'm actually not engaging in the world. Friend, as a church, we are called to engage the world. So when I look at this question... How do you live in the world and not of the world? What I would say is that there are a lot of Christians right now, they're doing nothing. Well, Sam, this is harsh. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. I don't know where you're at. I don't live with you personally. But I see the results of the church not engaging with the world. I see the results of... Christians pulling back. Is it, you know, even for us, you know, we send our, our kids to a Christian school. Why? Because we don't have to worry about anything else. We don't have to worry about what's being taught because they're, they're, they've got this cocoon that is... But what about the state schools? What about those things, the community events that take place? Romans 12 verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of our mind and by testing you may be discerned that what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You know, the devil has always tried to stop us. The devil has always tried to stop the voice of God in culture. You know, we need to renew our mind. We need to come to a place so that we can engage the world, so that we can go and do what is good and acceptable and perfect. You know, the devil actually has been defeated. But some of us don't even realize that yet. We live under a victim mentality where everything is too hard. When opposition comes against us, 
Maybe it's in your business. Maybe it's in your health. What, maybe it's in your family. When opposition comes against us, we cower away into a victim mentality and into standing up and saying, God has given me victory already. I mightn't see it right now, but I'm going to walk through it. It's how we transform our mind. It's how we take the scriptures and eat upon it and dwell upon it. Because when pressure comes, you'll find out what's inside of you. When pressure comes, you'll hear your language and what you speak, what you believe, what foundations that you've put in. But the devil knows that he's been defeated, but there are only two ways that he can actually attack us. The first way to keep us out of culture is this is that he'll either intimidate us or he'll distract us. You know what? If he can intimidate you and I from having a voice, he's one. Intimidation. Insecurity. Well, you're not good enough. Who's going to listen to your voice? What, What do you think you... Who do you think you are? Come on. Most of us battle with those things, those voices. Well, if you step out and do that, you know what, you're going to lose all this. There's this intimidation that comes around our life. But then also, too, there's the distractions. That if he can't intimidate you, he'll distract you. And you look at the world right now, and the world is distracted. God's saying, hey, come to me, draw near to me in a time of Christ, in a time, come and just sit with me. But in turn, we become distracted with the things of the world. You can become distracted with building our own kingdoms. And this is where a lot of people have come, is that they build their own kingdoms and forget about the outside world. They become distracted in, in we just need to get more, we just need to do more. We just, instead of going, God, what, what is your will? And not even what is your will for my life, because when we say, God, show me your will and purposes for my life, that is actually an individualistic question. Because it's still all about me. Instead of saying, God, what is your will? His will is to bring heaven to earth so that others can enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now I should get back to my notes. (laughs) And so this is what takes place. You know, we don't react to culture, we create culture. Friend, what culture do you create around your family? What culture do you create in your workplace? What culture do you create in your community? We need to be in the world, not of the world. (laughs) John 15 verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you what out he chooses us friend he's chosen you so you can live with confidence you you can live with your head held high that he's chosen you for this moment this time this occasion he chose you out of the world and therefore the world hates you that's that's we don't preach about that much no one likes to be hated True? Come on, let's face it. We all have this sense that we just want to belong. We just want to be part of. And then all of a sudden, you know, when we're corrected in life, we take it as rejection and we're like, oh, they hate us. Oh, no, they've hurt my feelings. Sometimes we need hurt feelings in order to grow. Whoa. 
sometimes we need to be offended. And, and what I'm saying is, you know, people shouldn't just offend people and do that just because they're, what would I say? They're just mean. But friend, when a father disciplines their child, it's for the best of the child. And so we have two ways that when God speaks to us and starts to say, hey, listen, I want you to do this, is we've got to realize that he's not rejecting us. He's just saying, hey, there's more for you. There's more for you. When you read the Bible and you don't like something, friend, I would say just plant yourself there and start to read it over and over again and say, God, what truth are you trying to teach me here and now? Because he has something better for each and every one of us. We are called to create culture, not react to culture. And, and this is what I find. And I love this because I had to go and get these because I love these as illustrations. Is that some of us have become potato heads. And, and this is the thing. If we're going to do what God's called us to do, if we're going to influence the spheres of influence that he's called us to influence, it, and, and let's think about it. You know, in the world today, what are those things? You know, in the world today... As Christians, we need to offer more than just the sinner's prayer. We need to engage. Okay, the first thing that we find is that we need to engage in economics, in business, in technology, in science. And some people go, you know what, Christians don't belong in there. Friend, you belong there. Why? Because it's more than just offering the sinner's prayer. Is that wherever there is a Christian business, the tide of that community should rise. Why? Because it's more than just making money. It's about implanting back into the community. It's about jobs and families and shining God's light. Have a new perspective of business. It's not just about the bottom line. And what I find in life is that if you make it just about the bottom line, that's all it'll be about and you'll never satisfy anything. And you'll never see growth. But when you bring kingdom principles into it, you'll see the tide rise. When you start making decisions about people's lives and livelihoods and shining the light of God, the tide will rise within the community. Friend, when we first got here as a church, I remember there was only one person on full-time staff, me. And I remember for a year I lived on the south side. Every second week, we would have something happen on this property. I would get a phone call at 12 o'clock at night, the alarms would be going off, because everyone loves glass windows. And someone would always drive past and throw a rock. You know, I quickly realized how much one of those glass windows cost to replace. $993. You know, we're looking eight years later, and I think the last time it was broken was about a year and a half ago by our youth pastor. called to bring life. This is the thing, is that when a church is flourishing, the community should be flourishing. Where there are people of faith engaging their world in the community, it should be flourishing. The other one is sphere of influence is education. We need to engage in education. And we need to be involved in our local schools. Friend, you might say to me right now, well, I don't have time, I'm just trying to raise a family. Friend, all it takes is about two hours a month to be involved in a chaplaincy committee. Two hours of your time, your wisdom, your expertise, 
just to sit on that board. If you want to get involved in a school, it might cost you two hours a week of just serving at a brekkie club. But being engaged, where the, where the church is pulled back and it's like, yeah, well, we'll let the younger generation, the younger generation need you and I to be involved. Need you and I to be involved, but, but somehow we've become potato heads and we're just sitting on the couch and we can't see beyond our own little kingdom. And, and because of equality, I've got mum. And then I've got junior. And, and, and we're sitting at home in our own little kingdoms. And, and yes, we can see, yes, we can hear, but can we hear and see what the Spirit of God is saying? We need to be involved in government. And when I say this, a lot of people go, oh, church and government should... Hello, you're part of this nation. You have a voice. And let me tell you this. Don't just vote. Don't just vote. Well, what else do we do? Oh, join a party. Get involved. Get involved in their policy decisions. Like, get involved somewhere else. Like, again, that might only take you two hours a month. Who knows? I don't know. Ask Luke. Like, get involved in some of their... Because instead of sitting back and going, oh, you know what, I voted for them and they're just not doing what... Yeah, but have you engaged? No, you've just ticked a box and left it up to someone else. I, I've been sitting back for eight months just thinking about this, like, oh, is this what it feels like to be at home? This is what it feels like just to... You know, and God downloaded, it was great. Don't get me wrong. But friend, our society needs us right now to engage at every single level. Every single level. Join the ACL, Australian Christian Lobby. <laughs> I had to think about that. What was that said for? But again, that was something birthed out of our movement. Like red frogs, it's all birthed out of our movement. Like we need to engage. Friend, I hope after today is that you would engage somewhere within society. Why? Because we need the church to engage. This generation that is coming through needs the church to engage. This generation right now is looking for answers and they're hurting. And they're just grasping at straws. We need to bring hope. Let hope arise and that will arise through the church. In celebration... In media, who knows, we need more Christian media. Honestly, to bring life and hope, to bring purpose. Celebration, the arts, entertainment, the sports industry. You know, this is why I love Red Frogs. You know, Dolphins is about to become one of the teams. Wayne Bennett is actually, is Wayne Bennett really? Has he signed yet on the dotted line? Yes, it's, it's okay. Like, we're starting with the super coach. We're just not an average place up here anymore. This is where everything, everyone wants to be. I think Munster's coming. Like, there's a few, like, but you know what? Red Frogs is already involved. We're already part of there. We're already at the Grand Finals. We're already involved in that. 
We're already there in the sports. We're already there at the Brisbane uh, Bullets. We're, we're, you know, we're there on every sphere. We're in the music industry. It's like there are some big events around Australia that actually can't put and get insurance on their music events unless red frogs are tied to it. There you go. The influence being in the world. Like the church, individuals, you and I, you're a big deal. Because God wants you to be a big deal. Not for your own head, but for his glory. And for his purposes. So now I haven't even got to my points. Family. Religion. But what does it take for us to be in the world? What does it take not believing the lie that there is no place in society for Christians, for individuals? And friend, we might not all exactly believe the same, but we have the same cause. And that's Christ. That he died and he rose. And it's about souls. It's about souls. It's about individuals. It's about shining God's light. And you'll see that people will put their heads up and they'll put their hands up and people will find out and we've seen that. Just even having a Catholic background as a Premier, you get slammed. Not celebrating you're the youngest Premier. And you've got a family of six kids. But they focused in on, well, he was Catholic or he's Catholic. Friend, if we're going to be in the world, and the sad thing is, is most of the time, those arrows are shot by Christians. Whoa. Friend, we need to support those around us. We might not understand everything, and that's okay. We're not called to understand. But we're called to support and love and bring God to every situation. And so when I look at these things, we need to realize that we are called to be in society. The second thing is I want you to ask these questions. Oh, I've got 15 minutes. I can get through this. These questions, these two questions I want you to ask yourself. What distractions do you need to eliminate from your life? And what intimidations in my life are holding me back? Friend, write those down. This week, ponder over those questions. You know, practically the thing that I find is this, and I'm just going to brush over this really quickly is that there are four things that we need as Christians. It's been a while. Four things. The first thing is we need to have eyes to see and ears to hear. And this is what I find is that a lot of Christians, they've lost their spiritual eyes. I should have brought the big eyebrows. But they've lost their spiritual They've lost the ability to hear what God is doing. And so at the end of the day, what we've got is we've actually got a bunch of potatoes sitting at home. Spiritually. Is it, yes, we hear the word of God, yet, yes, we, we, we know the word of God, we read the word of God, but, but it's like we're reading the word of God, but we're not receiving the word of God. It, it's like we know the Logos word of God, we know the rules, we know the principles. But, but it's like, you know, those things, they, they apply to that person over there. That's, that's why they're flourishing. It's, it's not me. Friend, all the principles and all the, the things in the Bible apply to each and every one of us. All the promises. But it's whether we have the ability to hear and see. 
whether we have the ability to actually take the Rema word of God. For me, at the start of the journey, is that I needed a Rema word of God. What I mean by that is I needed a word from heaven. Because I, I knew the Bible, I've got foundations in the Bible on how I live my life, but I needed to hear the word of God. The scripture says in Matthew, it says, he who has ears, let him hear. Let him hear what God is doing. And I had to go, God, right now in this situation, I need to hear your voice. I need to hear your spirit. And it wasn't, Sam, you'll be okay. No, it wasn't that. That would have been great. That would have been easy. I would have been going, oh. <laughs> Gabriel didn't come down in my private time and in my room and he shone a light and said, hey, listen, God said that. No. If you have that happen, well, good on you and I'm jealous. <laughs> really, really jealous because you're holy as holy. But having a here and just something a, grabs your spirit. For me, it was God is good and he's got this. And you read through scripture, it says how good God is, how faithful he is, but until it grips your spirit, it's just words on a page. We need to have eyes to see. And this is what I find is that we need to have spiritual eyes. As, as though we're hearing the voice of God, we need to see what he's doing in and through our lives. Because sometimes we forget what he's done. We forget the testimonies. We forget those things. And it's like we're going through life blind because we've shut off our spiritual eyes. We need to be able to see. You know, Proverbs 29 verse 18, it says, If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Friend, when we attend and we have spiritual eyes, we become blessed, our family becomes blessed. You know, if we want our kids to have vision for their life, we need to have vision for ours. And if anything, over this season, COVID, we've looked at trying to make plans, we've looked at trying to move forward, and things that we would normally do has unsettled and unstabled, and it's like, we can't plan for the future, friend. You can still plan. Because it's not about what you do, it's about what you implant into those around you. It's how we look at it. You know, you can travel within Queensland, great. Go and do that, please. But... Don't lose sight of what God's called you to do. Don't just look at the natural. Look at the spiritual. Don't just anchor your vision to the reality of now. Because if you anchor it to the reality of now, you will never reach what God has for your future. You will never step into the fullness of what God has for your life. We need to move forward. We need to anchor our reality to the vision that God gives each and every one of us. We need to anchor our, our vision to what God has called us to do individually but corporately as the church, and that is to bring heaven to earth. You know, friend, at the end of the day, it wasn't nails that held 
Jesus to the cross. It was a vision of you and I entering into eternity. The vision was much bigger than the moment. Our vision and our purpose for our life, our family, our community, and those around us actually needs to be bigger than our kingdom of just accumulating materialistic stuff. And friend, God wants us to have fun and wants us to enjoy the fruits of our labor. But friend, it can't distract us from the purposes that God has for our life. It can't distract us. It can't distract. We need to have eyes to see. His vision. What is his vision right now for your marriage? What is his vision right now for your family, for your friends, for your community, for your workplaces? Are you anchored in his vision? Are you anchored to his purposes for your life, for for his will, not just your will? And that's the thing, we can get it murky in some ways. But we've got to say, God, what is the purpose you want me to achieve? And we've got to put ourselves aside and look to heaven. And as we start to see his vision, we'll start to hear his voice. We'll hear revelation. We'll hear the rema word of God. We'll hear the voice of heaven. And when you know God, you'll hear his voice. It's just like kids. They know the voice of their parents. They know the voice of the school teacher or the principal in the playground that will echo out and all of a sudden as they're doing something wrong, they'll just freeze because they know the voice. It's like, okay. You just know. But it's having the ear to actually sit back and train yourself. How do I hear the voice of God? How do I hear the voice, His voice? As a baby knows the sound of its parents, do you know the sound of your heavenly father? The Rima word. And I use this story all the time because I love it because Carolina wasn't even around. And she didn't even find out until she got back. It was when Layla was nine months old. She was sick. And I got to be single dad for a whole weekend because Carolina was preaching somewhere at a conference. Actually, I was preaching somewhere at a conference that weekend too. But anyway, I'm good. (laughs) So good. But I remember this time where Layla got sick, I took her to hospital. And because there's nothing you can do for a nine month old, temperature, crying, whatever, the only thing that would soothe her heart or soothe her was hearing the heartbeat of her father. And I remember that time where I put her just on my heart and you couldn't give her medication because of the age and all that thing at the time. It's just this talk, but as soon as she heard the heartbeat of her father, there was just this stop. There's just this peace. There's just this comfort. And friend, today I know that there are some people in this room going through stuff. And I will say this. If you want peace around your life, you just need to stop. You just need to stop and find the heart of the Father. When you find the heart of the Father, you'll find security. You'll find love. You'll find acceptance. And you'll find healing. And I remember those moments. Why? Because she knew my voice. She knew my heartbeat. She knew my footsteps. She knew my smell. Friend, we need to be able to have ears to hear and eyes to see. 
which in turn gives us the ability to communicate, to speak. And I haven't got time for all this today. Is that people will know you by your language. Peter, as he camped around the fire, as Jesus was being whipped, as Jesus was being taken to the cross and camped around a fire just to hear what would take place, he tried to mingle with the world. He tried to be of the world in that moment. And a young girl came up to him and said, aren't you one of his disciples? And he started swearing, he started all these things. And... But at the end of the day, his speech betrayed him, if you read through the scriptures. Friend, people will know you by how you communicate, by how you speak. Your speech will betray you when you're full of Christ. People will know that you're a Christian. Your speech shows the posture of your heart setting you apart. Do you have his language of hope, love, joy, peace? And the last one is this, is that when we're able to see and hear, we communicate, but also too, we come to a place where we can mobilize oneself. Is that we know the call that God has given us and that we have the ability to outwork God's ways around our life and through our life. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 19, even though I am free of the demands and the expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and to all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, moralistic, loose living, immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on this way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into God-saved life. I did all this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Friend, we need to be in on it. We need to bring hope. That's why I love this let hope arise. Because when I declare it, I'm like, God, let hope arise in my life, but let hope arise in this community, in this nation, where there is no hope right now, where fear and division are reigning. Because the church needs to stand in unity, together, in love, and just say, right now, we're going to declare the hope of God. We're going to declare the miracle-working power of God. Friend, today, as a church, as individuals, questions that I asked at the start. Are you intimidated or are you distracted? What areas in your world right now that you maybe need to deal with so that you can engage your world better? So that we can engage the world better. So that we can live in a place where there's going to be hope. So we can live in a place where individuals are going to come to know Jesus. And that the tide of our nation, of our community will rise. Because Christians became, stepped out into the world. Not of the world, but into the world. And friend, as we do that, our families will be better for it. And as the scripture says, blessing will come around our family.